0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Friday, July the 30th, 2021 in the year of our Lord today on July 30 1965 President Lyndon B. Johnson signed a measure creating Medicare. It began operating the following year today in 1619 the first representative assembly in America convened in Jamestown. That's in the Virginia colony. Today in 1908, the first round-the-world automobile race. I know, they didn't drive all the way around the world, I'm sure. They took a boat when they got to the shores of the ocean. But anyway, the first round-the-world automobile race. It had begun in New York in February. It ended in Paris with the drivers of the American car. American car was a Thomas Flyer. How many of those have you seen around? Thomas Flyer was declared the winner, but it was a big deal because uh, the American won with his Thomas Flyer over winners from uh, teams from Germany and Italy, both known for their high-end, well-made cars, supposedly. Today in 1945, USS Indianapolis, having just delivered components of the atomic bomb to Tinian in the Mariana Islands, they completed their mission, but today... They were torpedoed by a Japanese submarine. Only 317 out of nearly uh, 1,200 men survived. Today, in 1956, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a measure making In God We Trust, the national motto. It replaced E Pluribus Unum. Out of many, one. Today, in 1975, former Teamsters Union President Jimmy Hoffa, he disappeared in suburban Detroit, although presumed dead, his remains have never been found. A lot of stories about what happened to him. Some include, I think I've heard the story that he was put into uh, massive concrete um, foundations of uh, maybe a sports thing or something. I I can't remember, but a lot of stories going around, but his remains have never been found. Today in 1980, Israel's Knesset passed a law reaffirming all of Jerusalem as the capital of the Jewish state. President Donald Trump affirmed that by moving the U.S. Embassy to the capital, Jerusalem. Five years ago today, 16 people died when a hot air balloon caught fire, exploded, after hitting a high-tension wire line, crashed into a pasture near Lockhart, Texas. That's about 60 miles from San Antonio. Well, Seattle's in the national news today. Just a, kind of a long story. I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that people are reading across the country today. It's in a couple of places I saw where it had been published. The Hill published it and a couple of other local um, newspapers here and there around the country picked it up. So people are reading a little bit about Seattle, what they're reading. And this is the perspective from the outside Seattle, America's most liberal city, stands at an uneasy crossroads. They're talking about the upcoming mayoral election. For decades, Seattle has been the vanguard of the nation's progressive movement. It was the first major city to adopt $15 per hour minimum wage to allow gig economy workers to affiliate with a union and to impose, albeit briefly, a per-employee tax on major corporations. Story goes on. I just want to touch on a couple of parts of it. It says, along the way, it, Seattle, has experienced the explosive growth of a mammoth tech industry that's changed the face of a radically and economically diverse population. Neighborhoods once defined by commingling populations of immigrants and blue-collar families now team with new condos. Local restaurants have been replaced by high-end pot shops and encampments, filled with those who can no longer afford to live in the city. They now line its two major freeways. Well, that neighborhood they're talking about in that story reminds me of Ballard, where I pastored the first church I ever pastored was in Ballard, and boy, has it changed. The story goes on. It says, tensions have grown so heated here between a rising generation of ultra-progressive leaders and activists and more traditionally liberal Democrats who have dominated the city's politics for so long that the old Seattle way of compromise politics has been eschewed for one of protest and purity. They mentioned one city council member, a self-described socialist, we know who that is, led a march last year to the home of Mayor Jenny Durkin, whose address is kept um, confidential because of ongoing death threats related to her past work as a federal prosecutor. And it says in the article, it says, Now Durkin is retiring after just a single term in office, a remarkably swift end to what had appeared to be a promising political career. She follows the chief of police, a black woman who quit last year in the midst of protests over racial injustice in policing. Well, there was more to it than that, I think most of us know. And the superintendent of Seattle Public Schools, a Native American woman, who's resigned earlier this year, two months before her contract expired. A long story, but it concludes with this. Voters will decide at this crossroads. Voters will decide Tuesday among a crowded field of aspirants to replace Durkin. Candidates running to govern what some have called an ungovernable city. Searching for a path forward out of the pandemic and out of the economic inequity that has come to define the nascent recovery. That's what they think about Seattle. Anyway, I just thought I'd bring you up to date on what the country is thinking, at least some, about the city of Seattle. Jesus was talking in Luke chapter 21, and he was talking about the end times. In Luke chapter 21, verse 25 Jesus said, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Verse 26, he says, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. The powers of heaven shall be shaken. And verse 28 says, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, I know that these verses have are seen from a little bit different perspective, depending on the your eschatological beliefs, your beliefs about prophecy and the coming of the Lord. But I will tell you for sure that he is defining the end times, men's hearts failing them for fear, and so on. I don't think we have to be convinced that we're seeing much of this kind of thing happening today in our world, and to a dimension that we have not seen any time prior. I want to talk to you a little bit about what China is doing today and how that relates, I believe, to what Jesus is saying here and what the Bible says in general about the times in which we live. The Chinese were the first in the world to invent paper money back in the 7th century. After after encountering, encountering this paper money on a journey to China in the 13th century, Marco Polo was really struck by it. He observed that the Mongol emperor, quote, had a more extensive command of treasure, than any sovereign in the universe. Well, I don't know about the universe, but he certainly had a lot of command over the treasure. All of those emperors did. When they lost control of the money, the country of China collapsed. That's generally known by people who study such things. But today, China is apparently at the forefront of this new monetary innovation, and it's on the cusp of eliminating cash and pushing the world toward total government surveillance. George Soros would be rejoicing and jumping up and down, if he can still do that. He's getting pretty old. It's particularly significant to Bible-believing Christians because of what I just read in many other scriptures, the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. So we're on the cusp they say. A number of economic and financial uh, organizations are saying that now. But what are we on the cusp of? The cusp of what? Now, 1,400 years after China invented paper money, they stand on the cusp of creating a new form of government currency that some say could pose a serious threat to America and to the West. Bloomberg has an article out yesterday that says China is on the cusp of launching a digital digital only currency. Coins will also disappear. The business site says this, quote, in preparation for becoming the world's first major economy to go fully cashless, several Chinese megacities marked the lunar year of the ox, celebrated February 12, by handing out millions of yuan or remendi, which they are now calling their currency worth of digital red packets by a lottery. They are, they are passing out as we speak. And it started in February, but it's continuing hundreds of millions of dollars to the people to get them to begin to buy into this digital currency. Bloomberg says, the virtual currency is supposed to circulate nationwide in time for the Winter Olympics next year. Bloomberg says as usage spreads, the rulers of modern-day China will also exert more control over a nation's wealth than any sovereign ever has. The architects of the system stress its potential benefits in combating the, or combating the fraud and, and corruption that they see in their monetary system. Well, that's what they always say. That's what they always say. They focus on all of the good that they're going to do for the people while they're wrapping the chains around them. And it doesn't matter whether it's China or somewhere else. That's what dictators do. Analysts with Bloomberg Intelligence, they're imagining a future in which the central bank could ease the financial burden on, say, rural households. There are many of those in China, as there are in every country. But they could ease the financial burden on these rural households or struggling enterprises. A company starts out, it's they want the company to succeed, but it's not succeeding, and so on. They can do this, according to Bloomberg Intelligence uh, Group. They can do this, they can ease the financial burden by directly assigning them these e-renminbi or, or that, that their currency, rather than lowering interest rates. It's a more indirect form of relief that's slower to take effect. So this would take effect immediately. They can bypass all of the lag in the way we do business now economically. The downside, the analysts say, at Bloomberg, for individuals from this monetary micromanagement, the downside, a new form of state surveillance. That's what the trade-off is in China. And it's always the trade-off. No matter what country you're in, when you hand over more power to the government, and in the case of China, they don't really have a choice. I mean, they go through the pretense of elections and all that kind of stuff. It's nonsense. Like Stalin said, it doesn't matter who votes or what they vote for. What matters is who counts the votes. And that's true. <laughs> Hauntingly true. But this new form of state surveillance is what China's really after. And they're not really after controlling their country because they have pretty much control now, the Communist Party. They're looking at the world, just like other globalists are, but they are poised to do something significant about it. Eric Bethel, he's a former U.S. executive director with the World Bank. He told CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network News, he said it's important To understand that this is not cryptocurrencies. They are not so-called coins, in effect. They are the national physical currency of a country just presented in digital form, and nobody's ever done that before. Bethel says, while the world fixates on these private cryptocurrencies, like Bitcoin, Beijing is busy building a digital version of its own currency, the yuan, or the renminbi. Also, They are beginning to tighten their control on their citizens. And eventually, they could threaten the dominance of the U.S. dollar. This guy has experience, Bethel, and he is pretty sure that what he's saying is right. This could happen. He's not saying it's going to happen. He said he's saying it could happen. He says they've pretty much created all of the building blocks that will allow a central bank digital currency to flourish. U.S. Uh, Congressman Michael McCall, he's a Republican from Texas. He's the top Republican on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He agrees. He said this gives, quote, unprecedented access to people's financial transactions. Well, I would say so. He says, quote, this will give the Chinese government, the Communist Party, data on behavior and how people spend, and it will do so in real time. Bethel says that the there will be a point where the People's Bank of China, and by the way, the People's Bank of China is not quite ready to jump into this uh, pool with the with the Communist Party, but the Communist Party rule. But they're pushing back a little bit, and some uh, I've noticed some of the financial uh, publications are saying, well, the People's Bank is not going along with this in China. Well, they, they aren't necessarily, but they will. They don't have a choice they will go along with the Communist Party. So, I mean, even us little people understand that out here. Anyway, Bethel says there will be a point where the People's Bank of China, the central bank of their country, is going to be able to look peer inside every single transaction, what everybody does 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He explains that if you're a human rights activist or a Christian, which he is, Authorities can use the new technology to punish you if you engage in activities they consider anti-government. And the key there is they consider. It's all subjective. If they think you're a problem, they will solve the problem. There are no basic fixed rights. America was built on the the, the most the most dependable truth, and the most dependable rights that exist, God's word. Our country was built, the policies that built our country and the concepts from our founding documents forward till more recent years have all been grounded on absolutes from God. It was communist concerns that caused the United States and i mentioned just a few moments ago the signing happened today by eisenhower but changed us caused us to change our our motto to in god we trust because communist was infringing on the world and on america so much in those days it's happening today but i don't know that there are people in government now today that care or even know they're so busy sorting out pronouns of what to call some person that's confused over their what sex they are i mean really that's where we are our military the white house joe biden is stumbling around i mean he's promoting all this stuff he thinks that's where we are today that's woke and Kamala harris is patting him on the back can't wait till she can sit where he sits in the chair at the resolute desk i mean that's it, it it's crazy stuff and the chinese and every i can guarantee you every country on the face of this earth sees that for what it is in missionary evangelism i've spent so much time in these other countries not as a tourist but in ministry and for the most part i've stayed in a lot of hotels around the world <laughs> some of them i could you wouldn't believe but some of them were pretty pretty nice but I've stayed also with a lot of the people, the pastors and their wives and in their little homes. I mean, sometimes in little hovels where it was a dirt floor that they would sweep religiously to keep it quote unquote clean. And I've talked with these people. They all get this. They know what's going on and they could certainly understand what's going on in the world today. They get it. Just because they don't speak the language of some of the Bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., they understand. And they kind of laugh about it sometimes as well. So that's the world we live in. He explains, if you're a human rights activist or a Christian, if authorities decide that you are a problem or not useful anymore, you're out. Former US, U.S. Ambassador for International Religious Freedom under President Trump, Sam Brownback, he was an, he's an evangelical Christian, and he's a former U.S. senator from Kansas. He said, in this article, they quoted him, he said they've got cameras everywhere in China, social credit system, and they get their money digitized. Uh, digitized. He said where there's no physical currency anymore, they will be able to track every transaction that's made with Chinese currency, and they can shut you off just shut you off if they decide they don't like who you are or what your faith is. That's true. Experts agree that eventually the U.S. and other foreign companies doing business in China are going to be required to use the government's new digital currency payment system. They just will. They're already using the social credit thing that I've talked about on this program. They have this social credit score. Nike, all of the companies, I mean, the pop companies, whatever, all of them that are doing business in China, and there's a ton of them, U.S. companies, they're all have submitted to the social credit score program already. And they're giving information they have to, or they can't do business there. And they see the China as the great looming marketplace that can be exploited for capitalism. I'm a capitalist. I believe in it, but we've got to be careful with this. And we're headed towards something somewhere that we may not want to go. Would other nations consider joining China's digital currency system? Other than the ones I've mentioned, because like Nike comes to mind, but others, Microsoft, you name it, they're all there. And they're all complying because they have to. Will they comply to this digital? Most experts say, yeah, they will because they'll have to, or they won't do business in the country. So the short answer is yes. And they're already planning in that direction. U.S. Congressman Mike Waltz, he's been really concerned about this. He's a Republican from Florida. He says he's worried. He was talking about it even this week. He said he's worried that Beijing will use this form of payment to also skirt economic sanctions. In other words, like Trump put sanctions on them, and that gets results. But that tool may go away when they create this digital currency. And he's sure that China will be more than happy to share the technology with other rogue regimes that seek to enhance their own surveillance capabilities over their citizens. So there's two tracks that we're running on here. One is this digital thing creates all of the obvious for China, gives them power over the economic system in the country, the communists, in ways that they haven't had. In fact, some are saying, Bloomberg uh, Company and others are saying, in ways that no one has ever had in the history of the world. But they are also, they are also taking more authority and more intrusion over every part of people's lives. Congressman Wall says, So that those other countries in Africa, the Middle East, elsewhere, they too can dominate their people in line with the Chinese version of government. But there's another part to this. The data then goes back to Beijing so that they will literally, through face recognition and voice recognition, be able to monitor the globe. Oh, Gary, come on, you're overreaching. No, I'm not. This is well underway. They're passing out money. Some of it is U.S. money, dollars, but most of it's their own printed money, the won, or the renminbi. They're passing it out now, as we speak. And they hope to have this digital currency working by next year's Olympics. Wall says the Chinese government, they'll convince countries like Burma and Iran and North Korea and others to do business with China, which will force them to enter China's digital currency system. So right now, according to several economic uh, stories that I read or articles, there are about 12 nations that are reportedly either committed or they're considering it and they're moving toward that. So what does this mean to me? Communist empires collapsed when they lost control of currency, as I said. This happened to both the Mongol-Wan dynasty and the Ming dynasty. The communists took power from the nationalists who ran the printing presses so hot with currency, does that sound familiar, printing currency, to finance a war against Japan that prices increased 35 million times. That's inflation. Other experts say ultimately this Chinese effort to dominate world currency will come to a crossroads of choice. And here's what most of them are saying. Either they can have absolute control over digital money circulating at home or international currency, but they can't have both. Well, we'll see. The biblical connection I read a few moments ago in Luke chapter 21. Well, the Bible does not specifically say that there will be a one world government or a one world economy or currency and a and or a one-world religion. It describes that outcome in the end times. From the writings in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, and Daniel chapter 7, verses particularly 16 through 24, we can conclude that some sort of world system will be inaugurated by the beast. John describes the revelation in Revelation 13, 2 and 4, that Satan himself will empower this Antichrist, who will receive worship from, quote, all the world, and he will have authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Verse 7 of chapter 13, Revelation. For this, we can see clearly that from these diverse systems, he will create one. Revelation chapter 6, uh, 6 through 11, chapter 6 through 11 describes plagues and disasters that are so devastating that it's almost indescribable. A monumental global, global crisis will then cause people to accept most anything they think will bring them relief. Once entrenched in power, the Bible is very clear that the beast, the Antichrist, and the power behind him, Satan, will move to establish absolute control over all the people of the earth to accomplish that end and to worship Satan, which he's wanted from the get-go when he was thrown out of heaven. That's why he was seeking to usurp God himself, and that will happen according to the Bible. And one way they can accomplish this is by controlling a one-world economy, one-world government, and one-world religion. Gary, that scares me. Don't be frightened. When you see these things coming to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption, draweth nigh. Your assignment for this weekend is when you start to feel a little stressed by what's happening in our world, stop, pause. Look up, lift up your head, and remember, your redemption draweth nigh. God is in control. Thank you for your support, and thanks for being with me today. I'll look forward to seeing you right here on Monday.